What's going on, guys? AJ here bringing you another episode, a special episode of the E1B2 podcast. This is actually another um, another, another behind-the-scenes look at a keynote that I just gave, a big keynote. We were talking to a lot of people, a lot of great content, um, something that I'm very, very proud about. One of my strongest uh, performances, I think, from a pure, tangible um, tactics and, and experiences and perspectives and things of that nature. Uh, so enjoy today's episode, guys. I think I did a great job of breaking down the content. I think I did a great job of delivering. Unfortunately, though, guys, at the very end, you may hear it get cut off. The recording of the keynote uh, got cut off a bit. So from what you guys could hear, I know for a fact I delivered value. Enjoy it. I appreciate all of you. And uh, yep, that's about it. I'm really honored. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm not someone that typically looks at himself as or views himself as a speaker or a thought leader. I'm very much an operator. I'm very much a practitioner. I'm someone that really tries to uh, execute best business practices. And I don't really do the whole content thing. But as of late, I've been getting really excited about speaking, adding adding value, putting out content. I have a podcast. I have a lot of things. And so uh, I'm very honored and very grateful to be able to talk to you guys today. Um, I promise I will do my very best to not bore anyone here. Um, I am uh, just, again, very honored. Uh, but today, guys, we're going to go into a lot of different topics. I have it broken down into about six different sections. Um, I'm going to do my very best to be sharp, to be tactical, but also uh, a little bit different with this one. I'm more of an ad hoc type of guy. So I am ready and willing and Wade is ready and willing to jump in and interrupt me with any questions that you guys have in real time. Uh, so there's not going to be a traditional Q&A part. I am ready and willing and able to answer any questions at any moment. Do not be afraid to cut me off or anything of that nature. Um, so I guess what I'm going to do, guys, I want to give you guys a background. I, I'm not, again, a public figure. Not a lot of people know me at a macro level, whether it's in the world of employee experience, in the world of project management, or the world of business overall. I've kind of, again, stayed behind the shadows and, and been very much of an operator. Um, you know, So a little bit about me, guys. I was a former D1 athlete. I was a running back in West Virginia, had a lot of success there, but then inevitably, I'm halfway through my sophomore year, guys, my father passed away. And I'm telling you all this background story because it's really going to connect to the way that I view the world of business, the way that I, I view life overall. Um, and so when my father passed away, guys, I decided to come home. And when I came home, I started a company. I started a year-round football academy. Um, I made a very strategic partnership with Under Armour at the time, and it completely changed my life. And for me, over the course of about 20 months, we were building a brand that inevitably reached a seven-figure mark. But more importantly than that, I started building out a team around me. I had about 40 people at the time, and we were doing a lot of great things. And you know, as we were growing and as we were developing, I had a lot of mentors around me. I had a lot of people around me. But what I didn't have is I didn't have anyone talking to me about leadership, talking to me about succession planning, talking to me about career mapping, talking to me about employee experience. I didn't have anyone that put me or, or embedded me into those type of conversations, right? I didn't understand those things. I was understanding finances. I was understanding operations. I was understanding project management. I was understanding a lot of different tools connected to inevitably growing a brand, but employee experience and leadership and being a good human being as it pertains to the business context was not something that I was seeing around me. And uh, I'll never forget the day, guys. I had a staff, again, about 40, 45 people, and one of those guys, Seth, I'll never forget. Seth is now, by the way, to give him a little plug, 
He's now sponsored by Nike and Under Armour at the same time. First to ever do it. He's an agility coach. And so I've never seen someone as talented, as charismatic as this guy. And so thank you so much, Seth, for everything that you did for me. Um, if he's ever going to watch this. But um, inevitably, Seth wants it to be a legitimate strategic partner, guys. And long story short, I declined that adamantly. I didn't live into what a career mapping model looks like. I didn't live into a one-on-one. I didn't live into emotional intelligence and employee experience. I didn't live into diving into what um, what inevitably he wanted to be and where he wanted to do. And at the end of the day, I did not give him the opportunity to become an actual partner. Now, to give you guys a little bit of a peek into the business model itself, in the sports world, in the agility world, in the football training world, Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, these big brands, they go where the talent goes. And Seth was an amazing talent. And so at a very operational level, he deserved to get that right, to be an equity partner. He was the linchpin to the overall organization. He was the linchpin to the Under Armour contract. He was the linchpin to the over 1,500 kids that we serviced each and every year. He was the linchpin to the entire brand. And inevitably, when he decided to walk away from the business, which was about 30 seconds after I declined his, um, his offer to be a partner, I always joke around and say, at the 36th second, the business went to zero. And I mean that at a very literal level. And so for me, I did what a lot of people were surprised about. Number one, I shut down the business immediately and didn't try to pick it back up. But number two, what I did is I went into this weird curiosity meets depression state mentally. And I, t I had to figure out what I did wrong. I had to figure out why didn't I understand these aspects of not only how important he was to the business model, but why wasn't I a good enough person? Why wasn't I a good enough leader? Why was I not a good enough empathetic human being to live into that conversation and just have it, right? Just have a nice steak dinner. Just figure out inevitably where he wanted to be. Um, so I uh, went down a very deep rabbit hole, guys. Spent lots of money, lots of time, three hours a day, every day, going down a very deep rabbit hole of unpacking and understanding, again, career mapping, employee experience, understanding what that really means and how to go about that at a very operational level and a very humanistic level. And then so for me, guys, inevitably, it took me to a situation where I then had about five years of research, thousands upon thousands of hours of content, of data in my head that I started to apply in micro in micro versions. Um, to speed the story up, guys, because I know you guys are probably getting tired of my background, um, I went on to start a second company at 22. It was a partnership consultancy firm, had about 30 employees with that. And that's when I started testing out some of my lessons that I was learning, some of my research, some of the mentor's advice, some of the frameworks. And I started developing this E1, B2, employees first, business second mantra that inevitably started turning into an operational way of working. Um, I had systems and policies and frameworks embedded into this mantra, and I started becoming more obsessed with this. And so to wrap up my background, guys, I inevitably did something that surprised everyone. My partnership consultancy was a six-figure brand, doing very well, taking care of me and my family. I come from Baltimore, guys, humble beginnings, never really had too much income. Um, so I was very proud of what I had built, but um, took a big pivot. Decided to be the VP of people, guys, for uh, two startups over the last six years. So I put the business on hold, applied to be a VP of people at a startup because my whole background has been within startups and small businesses. And so I inevitably decided to do that. I took my 
high level perspectives, research frameworks and decided to embed it inside of these startup companies and then blended that with my operational background, my entrepreneurial background, my very much of being an operator, being a CEO background. And it was something that a lot of these startups, I guess, didn't see, right? Traditionally, the HR people that come to the organization don't have that nice blend. And so again, to wrap the story all the way up, I've spent the last six years embedding myself into these cultures, embedding myself into these organizations, and really trying to change everything, guys. And so for me, when I say E1B2, I want to make something very, very clear. When I say employees first, business second, I mean that at a very operational level, and then I mean that at an emotional level, right? And so for me, guys, when I look at a business, I immediately try to figure out how can I have as much empathy as I can for my employees? How can I look at their workflows, their decision-making processes? How can I look at the team meeting structures? How can I look at the career mapping um, programs? How can I look at diversity and inclusion? How can I look at learning and development and make it completely empathetic to the perspective, to the way of learning, to the way of thinking, to the way of executing of the employee, and then embed that into the day-to-day best practices that inevitably will produce more money for the organization. That is the way that I have to start my businesses. That's the way I've always ran these businesses post my very first experience. It is something I very much believe in. So I just wanted to, I guess, define, guys, what I mean when I say E1B2. Um, I guess my final thoughts on this, guys, This is a very literal thing for me. You know, again, I'm an operator. I'm an entrepreneur. I live and die by the the, 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 the things that I go out and get in this world. And for me, you know, when I think of E1B2, I just genuinely in my heart, guys, think more companies, more organizations need to understand the objective upside of putting your employees first, the financial upside of putting your employees in the best positions to win. And then also the humanistic aspect. I think You know, with all the things that are going on in the world right now, whether it's COVID, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement, we are seeing a lot of shift towards kind of my perspective. And um, it's it's really humbling to see. And it's and and I'm very, very thankful and uh, excited about that shift. And so today, guys, the topics that I'm going to cover, like they kind of talked to you guys about in the intro, I'm going to talk about emotional glue, what that is and why it's important. I'm going to dive into beyond brand and beyond brand, um, beyond brand and the beyond resume, aka Monday anticipation, which I know it's a little bit of a weird uh, uh, name there, but I'm going to introduce you that, that to you guys and talk about what that means and how to go about it. And then I'm going to talk to you guys about some six benefits and, and six tactics, if you will, of how to operationalize um, emotional glue, how to operationalize beyond brand, how to operationalize beyond resume. And then finally, guys, something that I deal with to this day, being a former athlete, something that I'm sure a lot of you leaders deal with. I'm going to talk about why it's, you know, why it's so impactful, so substantial to strip away and let go of all of your ego. I think all of us inherently to be able to get to a certain level professionally, we have to have, let's call it confidence, right? A certain level of confidence, a certain level of bravado, whether you're a woman or a male, right? You have to have a certain level of, you know, being very convicted and very particular in your viewpoints of the world. But I think we need to stop letting that conviction and that objective point of view that we have take over our day-to-day operational responsibilities that we have to our employees and strip it away and be a little bit more flexible. And so I'm going to talk to you guys about that. Um, I'm going to pause for a minute. If anyone has any questions, please, any comments, wait, I'm, I'm, I'll give you guys maybe 30 or 35 seconds. I am ready to answer anything, ready to make any suggestions, ready to answer any comments. Uh, I'll give you guys a moment and then we'll hop into the first part. 
gonna check you. Not seeing anything yet. Give it another 10 seconds or so. Great. It was just my background. It's probably not too. I see employees first, business second, though. Sweet. I do appreciate the fact that you're recognizing that, uh, Dr. Sandra, I believe that is. Um, okay. So let's jump right into what emotional glue is, guys. Emotional glue is a lot of different things. I'm just going to start rattling off some things for me that I genuinely, bef- that, that I genuinely feel emotional glue is and why it's so important to an organization. First things first, it's when you have faith, trust, respect, and love for everyone that you work with, guys. That is the manifestation, the creation of when you have emotional glue. The second thing, guys, it's when you have time to understand who someone really is in this world, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what matters to them, guys. I must pause on those two and actually break that down a little bit more. When I think of emotional glue, when I think of living into someone's reality, when I think of living into someone's context, when I think of having you know, respect and, and, and faith and trust for inevitably where they want to be and how they can add value to this organization, I immediately think of gratitude. Because being a former operator, being now an operator, and I didn't even mention, <laughs> that's, that's my fault, I didn't even mention the company that I'm running now, but let's move on beyond that. But you know, being the fact that I'm an operator now, an entrepreneur now, former executive, I'm just so grateful for the employees that inevitably have decided to dedicate hours of their day, every day, to work with my brand. As an executive, I know you guys, all of you guys out there are executives, I know for a fact that when you look at those that you directly are leading, that you guys are directly supporting, I know for a fact there has to be some sort of gratitude, some sort of level of, um, you know, you have to feel some sort of, I guess, perspective, some sort of, you know, energy around, like, I'm responsible for guiding their careers. I'm responsible for putting them in the best positions to execute their tasks correctly. And so for me, guys, when I look at having faith and trust and respect for those that you work for, that that should go as a given. That shouldn't even be a tactic. That shouldn't even be a perspective. But let's just face it, guys. We have all come fallen short in that perspective, and we all probably know people that have fallen short with that. Let's look at the second one here. When it comes to recognizing and understanding someone's strengths and weaknesses and what actually matters to them, when you do those two things, you build emotional glue. What's emotional glue? You build that connection. You build that trust. You build that that love. That love and that trust manifests into that employee working harder, that employee caring so much about the organization, that employee caring so much about how they're going to actually bring value and innovation and new ideas. Uh, What's another one, guys? It's when you find a way to make sure that you are looking after that employee, you are looking after that person you're working with like they're a friend, like, like they're a family member. I tell people all the time, you can ask any of my employees right now. You guys are my family, without a doubt. It's not a, it's not a nice to have. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that um, I'm considering. It is a fact. And for me to get very operational, I spend the I spend the first two weeks of bringing on a partner, bringing on an employee, anyone that I'm working with, a strategic partner for that matter. I spend two weeks asking questions about their family, asking questions about their 
overall, overall views on life. I want to know exactly where they want to be in life. I need to know exactly inevitably where they want to go in life. And I make it my duty. I make it my responsibility to put them in the right positions to win. And I literally will leave that meeting, leave those interactions. And I will sit down in my office, sit down in my bed, sit down and try to figure out exactly what I can do, making plans for each individual person that I'm leading and I'm supporting. That's how serious I take this, guys. I lost a business because of this. I've had a lot of people throughout my career tell me, you didn't lose a business because of this. You lost a business because the business was built on a poor framework. And that may be true, um, but I know the other part of the poor framework is that we wouldn't even have realized the poor framework if I'd actually lived into what Seth wanted, if I built that emotional glue, guys. We did not have that because I can tell you without a doubt, if that was my brother, if that was my sister, if that was my girlfriend, of course I would have had that conversation. Of course I would have had that thoughtful dinner. Of course I would have bought the dinner. Of course I would have lived into that. Of course... You know what? Also with the emotional glue factor, I'm quite sure Seth would have felt comfortable enough to push me a bit because that's one thing that he didn't do. When I declined, he didn't even say anything else about it. He moved on. And if we had a little bit more emotional glue, a little bit more faith, a little bit more trust, a little bit more connection with each other at a very emotional human being level, I know for a fact, I know for a fact there would have been so much greater good that could have came out of the relationship, we would have had a second conversation, a third conversation. We would have been flexible with the with the contract, you know, negotiation aspect of it. And inevitably we would have made something happen. And guys, I would be, I don't know, I would be retired by now. I'd be sitting on a nice yacht on an island looking at a hundred million dollar business. That's not true. Making a joke, guys. But no, we, we would have done magnificent things together. He would have gone on to be the great leader an entrepreneur and guy that he is. And I'm quite sure we would have been working together until this day, guys. So I'm going to give you a couple more and then I'm going to move on from what emotional glue is. It's when you have the power to be direct and honest with no pushback. I just gave you guys another example. It's when you have the ability to quickly resolve disputes and get right back to work. I'm going to give you guys an incredibly, incredibly practical example of what I mean by this. I have a partner. His name is Naya. Me and Naya have so many moments where we disagree or have a different point of view. And the second we start to get a slightly disrespectful, whether that's raising our voice, whether that's dropping a word that we all don't appreciate, whether we're starting to attack someone's ego, attack someone's personal worth, whatever the case is going to be, we immediately shut down all work. We don't push through it. We don't fight through it. We immediately shut down, close computers, shut down any conversation of strategy. And I say, I am sorry. I say, I have love for you. I say, what have I done to hurt you and impact you? And I know that seems really foofy and really emotional and really, you know, religious and all these things, but it's quite practical guys, because when I pause for, let's call it that 45 seconds, that 90 seconds of diving into what's going on in here, what's going on in here. And he tells me we can immediately laugh about it, shut the book, understand where each other's coming from and get right back to work. But let me give you the reverse, guys, that I know for a fact many of you guys have been involved in. Someone just pushes through, but they feel disrespected. Now their perspective, their viewpoint, their view on that person changes forever. Thus, their productivity drops. 
Thus, their willingness to go above and beyond on certain projects drops. Thus, they start browsing on LinkedIn, browsing on Monster, looking for other jobs because they don't want to be led by someone that is in those situations. Thus, everything in the organization can start to have little tweaks, little issues, little, little flaws within it. And that can be a completely negative and bad thing for the organization long term, guys. And so for me, again, I just want to be very clear about this. I think it's important to do this at an emotional level. And I think it's so important to do this at a human being level. I think karma is real, guys. I think being a father, being a husband, being a friend and setting a great example for our friends and our kids. I think that's real. And so I'll, I'll close the book on the emotional glue part and wait if there's any interesting comments, please read them all for any questions, please. I want to answer them for me to close the book. It's when you agree that trust, love, empathy, respect is so much more important than the deliverables and the business metrics. It's when you try your hardest to make it actually a practice day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out to live into someone's reality and respect that reality and seek and find the truth. I had a partner recently, guys, after working together for the last nine months, tell me that this plan this goal, this idea of building a brand was not going to be the right thing for him, but he wanted to let me know three months in advance. Let me break that down for you guys, because I know a lot of you guys probably have had direct reports, or if you're a leader of a company where you've had an employee let you know they're leaving two weeks in advance, he let me know three weeks in advance. And it was because of the emotional glue. It was because of the foundation that we had. And I was so thankful, so honored, so grateful that he was able to bring that up to me. We were able to have a conversation. And I looked for feedback. And so um, I'm going to pause there. Again, if there's any questions, conversations, perspectives, please uh, share them and uh, let's dive in. So I'm going to take about 40 seconds here and glance through and, and see if we can pull some out. Yeah. Let me. That's interesting. Um, I'm going to ask that person to elaborate, maybe write like a little paragraph because I like that phrase. If, if I'm going to spit that back to you, the way that I internalize that and treat everyone like a CEO Going back to me thinking about it from an operational context, for me, that means treat everyone like they have great ideas. Treat everyone like they have decision-making power. Treat everyone like they have the ability to add value and respect that. Because we all respect the CEO. We all accept and respect the CEO's perspectives. We all typically don't get out of balance with our language or our tonality or our decision-making with the CEO. Um, so that's, that's, yeah. That's fair, too. That's fair too. That is incredibly fair. Anything else here before I hop in? No? A hundred percent. Vulnerability is the key. Um, and actually, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about vulnerability in a moment. Um, so let me talk about some tactics and how you can break down that power dynamic. Right. Because 
Once you have emotional glue, then it's about practicing and executing and delivering tactics around establishing and keeping that emotional glue tight. Very similar to the relationship quote. It's very similar, right? With the relationship. Yeah, you may have fallen in love 18 years ago, but there are daily practices that we don't need to get into. I don't want to get a little inappropriate, but there are daily things that we have to do. Weekly things, monthly things, conversations, vacations, you know, telling someone that I love you, telling someone that I care for you. There are things that you have to put in practice to keep and hold that emotional glue. So let's dive into a couple here. Be honest about things that you're stressing out about, problems you can't solve, and looking for those problems to get solved within your team. So there's so many leaders, again, on this talk right now that I know, and I've done this myself, where you guys look at yourselves as being a leader that you need to have all the answers. You need to have all the strategies. It is okay to go into your people and say, look, I have no idea of what the best move is. I want to make this you know, operational tactic most empathetic to you. And I really don't know what the best move is. Can you maybe have a 30 minute meeting with me? We can kind of collaborate together and figure out what the, what the next move is going to be rather than what I know a lot of you guys know other leaders do. And I've done this in the past as well, which is sit down by myself, strategize three to five different tactics, and then deploy and delegate those tactics, not getting any feedback, not getting any context from them. When you do that, you don't build emotional glue because that sends a signal to your employees that you don't trust them, that you don't care about their opinion, that you don't care about anything that they have to say. And that is a complete opposite of building emotional glue. Let's just call it EG because it's getting a little little way along with it. So EG. Um, another thing, guys, live into their ideas and provide autonomy. Live into their ideas of how they want to execute a task and please step off of micromanaging. Again, that is going to lead and manifest into EG and emotional glue, guys. When you live into someone's ideas, when you want to learn about those ideas, when you want to unpack those ideas, when you're sitting down and they bring up an idea to you via an email, via Slack, and then they get a paragraph back asking them to dive deep into that idea, do you know what that does for an employee's heart? Do you know what that does for their overall inspiration, their overall innovation, their overall ability to trust and love and develop that EG and their perspective of the brand? It goes through the roof because you'll be so surprised, guys, how many managers do not care about anyone's opinion. They have been doing this for 30 years, 25 years. I know all the best practices. I know all the best tactics. But let me let you guys know something, any leader that does feel like that. Yes, you may have all the best practices, all the best tactics, tactics, all the best, best nuances. But at the end of the day, what also can happen is there may be a way that that particular employee wants to execute that task that is a little bit different, that's a little bit more calming and more comfortable and more nuanced to them. And it's okay to have that diversity. It's okay to have that different way of going about things as long as the deliverable gets done and executed. And if you can ease up off the micromanaging a little bit, I guarantee you'll build a little bit more EG, which connects to you know, innovation, which connects to retention. It's all connected, guys. Um, let me pick out another, another couple ones here. Um, you know, if you notice productivity is dropping off and they seem sh to shut down, um, you know, live into what's actually happening potentially outside of the organization. This is something that... Let me break this down. This is something that gets into a little bit of hot water and, 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 and kind of weird territory for my HR practitioners out there and some of the leaders right here on this, this particular uh, talk that when you live into someone's reality outside of the workplace, 
a lot of people get a little bit weird about how much they should or should not go into that conversation. For me, I go all the way there. Now that may be because I'm working in a lot of private organizations. And before I even go deeper, if any of you guys are working for a public sector, I have the most empathy for you because the, the red tape there is crazy, right? So let's let's focus on, I guess, my background and my context. Like, let me know if there's issues with the, the wife or the husband in a very outside the box, I don't wanna make any assumptions, I'm just here to listen type of way. Let me know if you have any questions about kids or problems you're trying to solve. Let me know if you're struggling with mental health. Let me know what you're struggling with. I may not be the one to give you the exact advice and to be frank, to keep to make sure that you don't get in dangerous waters, I would actually recommend that you don't give any direct advice around someone's husband or wife or kids or weight or mental health or any of these things, but live into that reality and maybe guide them and lead them towards getting some resources and some help. But you know what you can do the most of? Their deliverables, their day-to-day tasks, try to find a way to make it clear to them that it has to get done, but at the same time, have them tell you the context of how it can get done. Be a little bit more flexible with the deadlines. Be a little bit more flexible of how they go about executing the work. Be a little bit more empathetic. Again, treat them like you would treat your daughter. Treat them like you would treat your husband. Treat them like you would treat a friend or a family member. And so, you know, I I just find it super fascinating when it's a day-to-day regular deliverable, how tight and how micromanaged and how strict so many leaders are around certain deliverables, when you know something is probably going on outside of the realities of the day-to-day workflow, and you know something's going on in their personal life, and you completely ignore it. You know for a fact you wouldn't hate it if someone ignored your reality. And let me give you the flip side before I pause. I've had leaders come to me and say, well, I push through. Well, I just make it happen. Well, not everyone's amazing like you. Not everyone can break down those barriers like you. Not everyone can just push through like you. And to be frank, not to judge anyone, I think we've learned enough about mental health and anxiety and all the things throughout COVID and all the things that are going on in America today. It's probably not a good idea for your brain to just push through as well. And so, um, you know, I don't recommend you take your perspective of pushing through and try to embed that into those that you lead. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't recommend it. And especially when you're trying to build this EG, it's really about finding a way to be completely empathetic to the reality. So those are just a couple tactics, nuances, ideas. Let me guys give you the benefits of EG. Higher productivity. It's a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. You know, greater retention. I mean, no brainer, guys. Who wouldn't want higher productivity? Who wouldn't want greater retention? And higher level of curiosity and ways they can bring value and energy to the organization. I tell you every day of the week, guys, when I'm working with people that I know we have that EG, when I'm working with people that really provides me the autonomy, the flexibility that I'm looking for, I'm at home in the middle of my meal, pausing a conversation with my girlfriend, getting my phone out and writing down notes coming up with ideas, emailing my boss, emailing my partners, emailing anyone that I can find the email around ideas. That is what actually happens. You have no idea how many employees over the years have emailed me at 9.30 at night about an idea of how to execute a task better because they know that I will actually listen and give into that, live into that, build that autonomy. And so higher levels of curiosity you guys will see occur higher levels of organizational responsibility. If they see issues within the company, they will start to look at the company as if, as if, as if it is their own and start to solve those problems. Now, you, you got to watch that because 
some people can overstep, but we'll have a, another conversation about how to avoid that at another date. But that is something that I really respect. If an employee is so excited about causing, I mean, solving problems that they see, I respect that. And then the last thing, guys, is when you ask an employee to stay a bit longer, work a little bit harder, assist on something that maybe is a bit ad hoc and not necessarily in their department, you're going to get a, you're going to get a yes 70, 80, 90% of the time because you have that EG, you have that respect, they have that respect for you, and a lot of benefits are going to come. So uh, I'm going to pause again. Any questions, comments, insights? I know I'm moving quickly and sharp, but uh, I'll pause for a moment and uh, dive in. And honestly, too, if we want to jump up to the top and see if anyone has any comments, perspectives on some of the poll questions as well, we can go into that as well. Please. I'm seeing some good stuff coming across here. Question of concern if you're interrupting me. How does she feel about okay, that's a personal question. Uh she does not feel the greatest about that, Dr. Sandra. I will be very honest. Um uh let's I, I will I will make sure to uh distract her when she's watching this back so that she doesn't hear that comment. <laughs> uh because she does not always appreciate that. Uh, but she knows that I love my work. And that's really the core of it, right? When you're creating this EG, you start to have a lot of love and passion for the work you do. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, I think we I think we alluded to... So let me, let me start on a couple of things. So... I think that's fair. I really do. I think that's fair. One thing about me is I try to have as much empathy as I can for everyone. So viewing someone like family is a strong statement that maybe I need to learn to not be as objective on. I have gotten that feedback. But I guess what I'm trying to say is when I look at family, when I look at friends, the the level of empathy and compassion and flexibility of my emotions that I have with them are different than what I see in the business context. And so I think that's what I mean, um, is when you're leading someone or working with someone, I think the way that you would, the amount of flexibility or the amount of going out of your way to do different things, or the amount of thinking and innovation and, and creativity and trying to really problem solve and help out a family member or help out a friend that you would have in those situations, I think is a good idea that a lot of people don't have in the business context. So I think I, I think that's what I mean, right? I think so many employees get in and do their job and get out, and it's because they don't have that EG. And so to develop that EG, I kind of alluded to it before, you have to, number one, go to them and say and ask for support on certain projects. That's going to start to the process of building out some things. You want to go to them and see if they have any ideas, perspectives, nuances about things that they want to work on, things that they want to try to problem solve. Um, that's going to start the process as well. So it's really and then the, the biggest way to start the process is if they come to you with feedback about the organization or about you personally or about something personal in their life. The way that you react to that needs to be similar to the way that you react to a family member. So I appreciate the, the feedback and the pushback there. I wanna maybe provide a little bit more context.
Así, así. Another fair point. I think, I think again, going back to this EG conversation, you start to, you, you got to do the hard work to find out what their motives are. And you do that by building context, asking questions, living into their reality, showing them that you can be trusted. I think you start to find out someone's motives. I just genuinely feel people are good. I think at the macro level, let's just make an arbitrary number. I think 80 to 90% of human beings are great people. They just have been hurting in their life personally. They have been scarred at times organizationally that uh, it's, it's hard to try to gauge where their motives come from. But I think, I think you develop that over time. Yeah. I saw someone that said, I saw a spot on, I see a, you can still apply EG by common sense response to people in the workplace, similar to how we treat our family. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I think you may have just said that. Sorry. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, not everybody is what now? That. No, that's that's super fair. Not everyone is huggy. Not everyone is like that. Um, Naya, the the person I was talking to earlier, really isn't that type of emotional huggy, you know, huggy, lovey dovey kind of type of a guy. But on the flip side, the way that he shows me that he has EG is by the amount of times I get random emails, I get random calls, I get random empathetic reactions to things that are going on in my life that maybe he doesn't respond in a very emotional way. But the fact that he executes against that empathy shows me that he actually cares for me and he's willing to go above and beyond because I've actually seen in real time him not do that for other people. And so um, that that is super true. Right. Because a lot of what I'm saying today, again, and that's why I try to make the, the distinction. A lot of what I'm saying is I'm trying to blend the operational pure business, black and white world to the very emotional, huggy, lovey-dovey world and mesh the two. I believe when you mesh the two, there's a lot of great that can come out of it. So I guess that's a great way to sum it up for this whole EG conversation. I think empathy, I think the key word in empathy is the is two things. A lot of people, it's a lot of people think it's actually treat others the way that you want to be treated. The way I kind of look at it is treat them how they want to be treated. And so if they actually want some space, if they want to they they don't need that attention, because that can feel suffocating at times for people. I know with my girlfriend, I learned over the years, I have to kind of back up a bit and not be so empathetic, not be so lovey-dovey and kind of give her time to process. And so again, I think that's the best way. And, and, and a very practical example of that is if you know an employee is having some troubles outside the workplace and you're seeing their productivity within their day-to-day -day work deliverables are starting to drop off and you live into what I asked you guys to do, which is ask a few questions about is something going on outside the workplace that we need to know about. If they bring it up and then they immediately say they don't want to talk about it, 
the first thing you should do is back up and create an environment where whatever they're working on, you create a little bit more flexibility around the timing of when that can get executed against. The worst thing that you can do is ignore the fact that they asked for that space and dive deep immediately into, okay, well, I'm sorry that's going on, but we still need to get, we still need this to get turned in. I think there's too much attention being put on what needs to happen at the business sense and just take a moment and pause for a second, figure out what's best for the employee and inevitably what needs to get done will get done and not just bulldoze your way through situations. So I think that's another example as well. Um, let me, let me jump, let me jump in here to a little bit more content and then we'll hop into the poll question. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wrap up the emotional glue conversation like this. There, these are going to be very tactical things. Being willing to restructure a workflow to better fit the employee's execution style. That's just one tip that I want to give. Another tip, removing ego, thus creating learning and development structures that fits the, the, the variety of your employees that you lead and living into the way that they actually learn. So I'm not sure how many of you guys are responsible for learning and development programs or have any sort of input in those programs, but those are two things that I think are, are so vital. You know, right now I'm consulting a client right now where we're looking into their learning and development programs and we need to make sure they're completely empathetic to the learning styles and the content delivery methods that the employees appreciate, whether that's pod, internal podcast, whether that's traditional intranets, whether that's figuring out um, other online programs, whether it's putting together mentor-mentee programs internally and externally, whether that's creating graduation programs that I can elaborate on another day. So I think you have to poll, have internal conversations with your people to figure out how they like to go about executions. And again, this is all embedded into having that EG because when you do these things, when you remove ego, when you're creating learning and development structures, when you remove ego around you know, being willing to restructure workflow to better fit your employee's execution, when you remove ego by realizing that you just, you know, that, that you can perform a task without actually micromanaging managing that employee, when you live into someone's context and actually have an understanding of where they're going through and what, and what and what is actually happening in life and easing up on the delivery date. When you are designing something from a job perspective, like tasks around their strengths and allowing them to have few or know-it-all weaknesses, like you're living into their EG. So at the end of the day, guys, I just think there's a lot of flexibility, a lot of autonomy that can be had that um, a lot of people just are missing the mark on and I just want to try to help. Um, while I get prepared for the next section, if you want to go ahead and throw that next poll question, I mean, that'd be great. So is empathy something that comes natural to you? That's what I want to, I, I can't, I can't wait for these. So no, that's interesting. Um, I want to ask why I'm going to jump in, but I want to ask for those that say no for both, for those that say no, I want to hear why. For those that say yes, I want to hear why. As vulnerable as you're willing to be, try to give me some context. Um, and then uh, I'm going to jump in a little bit here into the beyond brand and the beyond resume. And then I want you guys to pause me and then we'll jump back into some of these comments here. If anyone can provide some context. Um, actually, we should actually let me pause that idea. Let's just jump in here. You want to maybe read some of these off or let's let's dive in here. Um, 
What are, what are some no's in there? What are some no's? I thought I saw a couple at the top. I think I saw something about that was the way I was raised. I'm a no. Oh, I see one here. I'm a no slash maybe. Oh, it moved up. I'm a no slash maybe in the work in a workplace setting. I try to exclude emotions and decisions making, but I want to be cognizant in this, including this in a one on one. So that's interesting. I, again, I have empathy and I understand the reality of that. I think if you're someone that naturally needs to remove the emotional elements because that can confuse or conflict with your ability to make sound decisions for the business at an operational level, have a ton of respect for that. Uh, and then definitely, um, I think empathy needs to be infused within the one-on-one -on -one setting. So I think there's a nice balance there, right? Around your day-to-day -day roles, making decisions. I think it's interesting to remove emotions from that, which is probably smart. And then I think in that personal one-on-one -on -one setting, it's completely important to uh, infuse empathy. And then I think at a macro organizational level, what I love to see is companies put look into their policy designs, their workflow designs, their decision-making processes with empathy already infused so it doesn't have to be a conscious decision. Are there anything else you want to see there? That's a fair point. I have actually... That, that's that's something that's very personal to you, and I have nothing but to respect that. I, I hear that. That's, you know, for me, I, I'll add one comment. You know, for me, the biggest level of empathy, empathy that I show as a leader is respecting statements like that and and giving that leader time to, to unpack the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent of that reality. Because a lot of people feel very different about the way that they were brought up. A lot of people have envy for those that are very emotionally kind of understood within themselves and then other people are like screw that I'm, I'm great with who I am and this is who I'm going to be and so I kind of give a lot of people that I work with time to unpack those things I try my hardest not to uh, push my objective and very loud opinions on others in the micro versions of course in platforms like this I try to push for my high level of opinion but I respect that that's maybe Yeah. That's that's that that is a consistent issue that needs to change in this world, definitely around the diversity and equity and inclusion conversation. I want to make something clear on the record. I'm doing a lot of work right now with DE&I. DE&I is just not about race, guys. That's, let's, let's shut that whole thing down. It's about, it's about statements like that. It's about trying to look at everyone from an inclusive nature as an equal. And, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have had to shut down your emotional center of who you are because of that reality. That's, that's, that's uh, not appropriate, in my opinion.
Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. And then and to, and to wrap all this up, and this is amazing, guys. I love the engagement. Um, that that's all I ask of you guys. All I ask is, you know, because I actually do have people that try to debate me on this topic and this conversation that we're having today around. Like there are people out here that think what I'm talking about can actually slow down the productive nature of an organization from the bottom line and financial. And I obviously have a very different viewpoint of that. And so all that I ask is exactly what he said is all I ask is that you live into the reality that this is a good idea. This can drive more financial you know, upside. This can make a business operate more productively and just try to find different ways to grow and develop over time. But don't ignore the fact that empathy and EG can actually lead to objective operational upside and more productivity for an organization. Don't ignore those variables. Please, please, please. That's fair. I'm going to throw you guys off. I'll make it very clear. Now, my, my girlfriend was incredibly surprised yesterday. Um, I fired someone yesterday. Um, I will go. You will never meet a person that's more empathetic, more loving, more flexible than me. I will look into workflows. I will work. I will look into decision making processes. I will look into your reality. I, I have a I have a policy within my organization where I will pay you two, three, four times the realities of what you should be paid based off of the market because that may be what you need because your mother or your grandmother or your son or your daughter is is, is, is having some some uh, some health issues or you just have aspirations of doing bigger and better things financially. I will go above and beyond. But this but one or two or three or four times that I try to go above and beyond, if you're not responding to that uh, empathy, to that EG at an operational business level, aka your productivity stays at a decent level or a high level, aka your ability to drive value for the organization. If those things are dropping off or if you're starting to get entitled thinking that you deserve these things rather than this being a a, a, a good action by me, um, I will let you go. And I make that now, I make that incredibly clear in the beginning. I say, this is not a transaction. This is who I am in nature. But please don't forget that I'm running a brand here. So your executions as an employee here, as a partner here, needs to be at a high level. I just think EG, empathy, all the other things that I'm going to talk about can lead to more productivity. But if you're going to ignore those things and continue to just do what you think is best for you, then that shows me that you're not in accordance with the values here. Um, so I have no qualms of putting my foot down. I just probably am the type of person that takes a little bit longer than others. That's a fair point. We're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of comments in here. I must say, hitting a nerve, huh? That's a good thing, though. Hey, uh, where are we at on time here? Nine minutes. All right. 
I'm going to jump into a couple more things, guys. But I am so, again, I am so grateful for all the feedback here. I was hoping, I led off with those two topics. I was hoping it would strike a chord with you guys. Um, I'm going to go quickly through this. Beyond brand, beyond resume. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw you guys off on this one. If that, if that stuff kind of started some things, this might throw you guys off. Beyond brand, beyond resume. Which one should I start with? Um, let's start with beyond resume because it's more on the employee side. And let's go to beyond brand. Beyond resume, there are certain things that you learn as you're an employee, whether you're 35 on this on this Zoom right now, whether you're 67, whether you're 28, no matter who you are and how old you are, you have gone through a certain amount of you know, uh, experiences as being a, an employee, being a leader, being a person in a company that you have now realized you do or do not like and you should. And I'm giving you this, this opportunity right now to think about this, to build up the confidence. You should create a ideal beyond resume, uh, objective, you know, um, framework that is a non-negotiable. So let me give you guys a practical example. When I walked into my last two companies, I sat down and slid across my beyond resume. Inside of that beyond resume is a ideal job description of what I am looking for. I highlight all the things inevitably that I'm looking to do later in life and why this particular job is connected to that. Then I go into the projects that I need to work on. Then I go into the learning and development structures and tools that work best for me and my learning style. Then I go into the decision-making frameworks and processes that I've worked well with. Then I go into leaders that I've worked well with, personalities that I work well with, why I don't work well with them. Very, very deep, not your traditional um, disc assessment or all the other things. Very nuanced, guys. So at the end of the day, when you create a beyond resume, you are showing your potential employer the intentionality and the focus that you have about the environment, the experience, the day-to-day work that needs to be dedicated and correlated to where you want to go in your life. This is something, guys, that I tell you firsthand right now is uh, throws a lot of companies off, but something that I heard directly from my last two bosses when they sat back that evening after interviewing me for the first time, they were so taken aback and slightly like slightly felt disrespected but then there was a a sense of surprise that came over them they were so surprised at my intentionality and my focus that it was very attractive to them if you can appreciate or promote or drive yourself or those that you lead to be very clear on those things that i talked about there's a lot of good that can happen let's flip over to the other thing beyond brand it's the complete opposite so here's, again, and there's a company that I have around this too. I have a company for both. Um, Beyond Brand, I interview in a podcast format, CEOs and hiring managers and direct report. So let's say your company right now is looking to hire a new project manager. Not sure of the overall deliverable uh, at, a, at a high level of who is inevitably going to be, uh, you know, uh, be the direct report for a project manager. So let's say that's what you're trying to hire. With the Beyond Brand concept, it's very simple. There are certain specs of the company that an employee, employee, potential employee, an applicant should know leadership personality, leadership traits, how they go about executing tasks, what is a non-negotiable and a negotiable thing within the organization, cultural standards within the organization, the way that they go about executing tasks. Are they open to creating more autonomy around the workflow? Are they not more uh, open to that? 
Is there things that are pet peeves that for a fact a new hire coming in should stay away from? Are there aspects that are a little bit more easy to go into? Like there are so many specs of the internal culture, the fabric, the DNA of an organization at the leadership, at the decision making, at the actual task themselves perspective that you as an employer can share, a leader can share with a new hire coming into the organization that can make a lot of change. So due to the time, I'm going to jump right down to the, the benefits of this. Leads to more... Please, please. It depends. Um, we typically try to ask an employee to provide it before the interview in a... Like they slide it, like they send it over in a link. So like it'll be a downloaded link. And then they put into an email to, if you want to look over it, that's fine, but we're going to address this within the actual interview itself. So we like to send it maybe the night prior and then they'll address it within the interview. Because you know, there's usually about a, I don't know, 10, 15 minute period of time where the interviewer will ask you, hey, tell me a little bit more about yourself. And at that moment is when you ask them to open that up and you can kind of go through that with them. Um, so let me go into the benefits here, guys leads to more productivity. Let's talk about both sides here. On a beyond brand and beyond resume standpoint, if you now know as a brand, the way that an employee likes to learn, the way that an employee likes to execute tasks, the the type of culture, the the type of environment, the type of leading styles that an employee is looking for during the process of your building out their onboarding onboarding plan in their first three months with the company, because that's what you should be doing. Let me give you guys a tip if you're not. If you're a leader and a manager and you have a new two or three or four employees coming in to your department, you should be planning out how you're going to embed them into the culture for the next at least 90 days. And that should be a plan, like an actual plan that you write out and you think through. Now, you don't have to do it for every single employee, but when you bring a new employee in, if they have a beyond resume, you can look at that framework that you built out and make adjustments based on their reality. That is going to lead to more productivity. That is definitely going to lead to higher retention. That is definitely going to lead to more sales and innovation. That is definitely going to lead to a more productive culture. And that is definitely going to lead to a more engaged employee. On the flip side, to wrap it all up, guys, um, on the beyond brand side, there's a lot of benefits from that as well. Same thing, productivity, higher retention, overall sales and innovation. If you are letting an employee know that it's thinking about working for your company, all of those things that I've talked about before they even go into the interview, right? Because that's the format. When you apply, once you're done applying, the Beyond Brand a podcast will get sent to the employee to listen So for the hope that they actually get an interview call. And then they can bring up those questions that they have based off of the podcast in the interview itself. So imagine now they know what they're getting themselves into. Now they can be prepared to productivity, retention, product, you know, productive culture, you know, knowing what they're getting into, overall engagement. All these things will spike, guys. Very outside the box. I'm getting a lot of great you know, pushback in a good way and then inevitably great experiences with the companies that I'm doing this with. It's a very new thing. It's a very out of the box thing, but it's all embedded with EG. It's all embedded with empathy. It's all embedded with productivity. It's all embedded with making the operational unit of the company much more productive and better and producing better leaders, producing better employees. That's what it's all about, guys. It's E1, B2, not just E1, not just employees first. It's employees first, business second. The business part is in there as well. So it seems like I have two minutes, guys.